0: Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out all of our content on FiveReasonSports.com. That's where you can find our merchandise, all our great heat shirts. Also, of course, our other podcasts, Three Arts Per Carry, Five Rings, Canes, Cinco de Zonas, Shula Ball, just as last episode of the season, but we'll be continuing Fantasy on Five, Balls Cast, Light Skinned Opinions, and more. And, of course, all of our updated stories and columns on the Heat, Dolphins, Hurricanes, Panthers, Marlins, and other South Florida sports. Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's Auto Nation. If you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, Auto Nation is where you want to go. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and their friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you stay big on a huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs, Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much, much more. And if you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop AutoNation's huge selection of one-price pre-owned vehicles, all clearly marked with one price, their lowest price guaranteed. You want to get rid of that old car? Turn it into cash today. Get a top dollar offer and a check. The very same day, they'll buy your car with no purchase necessary. Here's the biggest thing. Regardless of what you want to do with Autonation, and you should do something with Autonation, you've got to DM me at Five Reason Sports. We've had some people do this, some listeners, they've had a great experience. If you DM me on Twitter at Five Reasons Sports or email me at Five Reasons at gmail.com, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to put an Autonation senior manager directly in touch with you to help you get the car or sell the car that you want to get or you want to sell or you want to lease or whatever you want to do. So DM me, email me. Auto nation they'll help you out. And now, today's episode.
1: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alfon Sydney, aka yes. Al 954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network.
0: All right, Ethan Skolnick, back here. I'm with Alex Toledo. We did not pod after the Utah game. All three of us had other things to do, but we all saw the game. Just bringing in an Alex today, but we're not just going to focus on the Utah game, which got the Heat to 22 and 8, which was a great performance, particularly at the end, by Tyler Hero. Another great performance by Bam Adebayo on a night he didn't shoot all that well. Jimmy Butler doing a little bit of everything again, and Goran Dragic playing big off the bench and making a ton of threes but we're not going to focus on one game. We want to kind of, we want to spin back and spin forward. We're 30 games into the season. The heat are 22 and eight, 22 and eight. Now best case scenarios for this team. And I was one of the most positive people on this team in the market or anywhere i know alex and alf were as well or sort of came to that place over the course of the, the preseason
1: no i'm very I, negative according to everybody
0: well i know everybody thinks you're negative you're really not that negative it's just i, I everybody used to think i was negative but because i spun positive on this team everybody seems you
1: were definitely more negative over the past couple of years that's yes. for sure
0: for good I mean, reason was, for yeah, good yeah, reason for good reason because this is what the Heat should have been getting to, not that. Now, I didn't anticipate Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson and all that, but I can claim I did. 22-8, and 22-8, and eight. that's a 61-win pace uh, through the first, I don't know, what we're a little past the first third of the season at this point, which is much better than anticipated. But we're not just going to do that. okay, they're playing really well. We're going to look back at the five things that we identified as major issues for the Heat coming into the season and where they stand with all of them. Because I think it'll give people a little better context of where they are right now and how they got here. So let's start with number one, Alex. The one that we began with was Jimmy Butler because he was the most important acquisition of the offseason. He was an acquisition that I thought the Heat would eventually make, but I didn't know that would happen quite that way. They gave up less than I anticipated they would have to give up. There's a great debate to be had. We should probably devote an entire episode to this, but of all people, Dutch... Uh, dutch beak michael Sonbeak, Beek, in our network actually stated this on twitter it's the only smart thing dutch has ever said uh, which was that the Confirmed. best thing that, the best thing that ha- you could right the, the best thing that ever happened to the heat was not making the trade with minnesota for jimmy butler because of the way the things ended up playing out you probably don't you probably make the playoffs you don't get tyler hero Maybe you go a different direction with some other players. Maybe some of the players that are here right now are not here anymore. Maybe you don't make the white side trade. Maybe BAM is not unleashed. All of those things. I think that's a whole episode we can devote to. But I mean, could just, you imagine?
1: They're just like, oh, we still got it. We still we still believe in Hassan and everything is different
0: right now. Oh my God, please. I mean, shoot me. But anyway, talking about Jimmy and Hassan's uh, 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 compatibility. Well, well, actually, 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 yeah. If there was going to be any violence, it might've occurred during one of those practices. But yeah, all right. So let's, let's get to what actually happened was they got Jimmy this off season and you and I and Alf all asked the same question. Is Jimmy Butler a true number one? And I think we have to agree. I would believe after 30 games that he is. He's just a different type of number one than we anticipated. He's not going to get you 30 every night, but he's making plays for other people every night. He's defending, which we knew he could do every night. He's making plays down the stretch every night. He's leading in the locker room and at practice and on social media and everywhere else and in the community every day, every night. He's a true number one. Is he not? Uh, Yes and no.
1: In a sense, I think Jimmy's been awesome. I think, even though that he's kind of struggled to shoot from the field in a, you know, very consistent sense. Like, you just look at his percentages uh, from different areas on the floor. They're just lower than you would think. Like, at the rim, from 3 to 10 feet, from 10 to 16 feet, all of them are a little bit lower than they have been in the past. So there, there's evidence that that's going to go up, knowing what we know about Jimmy. But he's been good, man. Like, I think Spo has utilized him, has weaponized him as – this playmaker, who he's going to use as the guy to basically penetrate the paint every single time, and that's his role, right? The, his main function on offense is to penetrate in the paint and either draw a foul, you know, get a good shot in the paint, or kick out to shooters, and it's working because Jimmy is very good at making reads, and and I think Spo noticed that from the start, and especially you know with Winslow and Dragic taking having time off, made it even more so that Jimmy had to be that playmaker. But I've been very pleasantly surprised with just how much he's bought into the system to the extent that he's done it at, you know, how quickly it's meshed together. I think he's a huge reason for that. He's never tried to, you know, take over and take all the shots. Like his usage is at a pretty fair amount right now. Like he doesn't have, you know, a a usage over 30. It's at about 25 right now. I think he's done a great job just playing a part of the team system, knowing what it takes to win basketball games during the regular season, putting in that effort every night demanding the best out of everybody. I think he's done a great job and it feels like it can only go up from here because of what I mentioned before of the shooting percentages being down all across the board. If, if I had to come to, it, it would be like a B plus a minus type of thing, which I think is very good. Like he's been, he's been great for them.
0: Yeah, I would say a minus, uh, but I would trend towards a honestly, uh, rather than, rather than down. I trend up a little bit. I, I think one of the important things that a number one has to do is know when he should be the number two. Or the number three, and I think what Jimmy has shown is a great feel for that. When when he doesn't have it on a given night, or he just kind of wants to work his way into the game, or doesn't like his matchup as much, or maybe he likes somebody else's matchup, he's going to that guy. And it is, you know, it's LeBron-esque. I mean, he is in a lot of ways he's LeBron light, you know. And you know, that's not (laughs) disparaging someone.
1: It's so weird because we say the same thing about Wade, right? Because they they have similar play styles, and now we're kind of saying a similar thing about him and LeBron. And maybe it's just the way that Spolster utilizes these types of players. He knows he, he knows exactly how to, how to maximize them.
0: Yeah, and I think that that Dwayne saw some of this in Jimmy, and that's part of it. But, I mean, when someone's averaging 26 and 6, um, what, LeBron was averaging, what, 26, 7, and 7 with the Heat, right? So, I mean, you're not that far off from those numbers. In fact, it's rounding. And he's out. averaging
1: three steals and a block as well.
0: Correct, correct. And now the shooting level. percentages are not LeBron's level. You mentioned that. They're not LeBron's level. The line they are. He's better yeah. from the line than LeBron was.
1: I mean, but- everything suggests that it's going to go up. Like, he's at 28% from three this season and and just under 44% from the field. Mm-hmm. So that's that's definitely going to go up. And like I said before, all different spots on the floor, he's pretty low. So I think that's something that's going to go up just like, you know, the shooting's gone down. But yeah, he's done an excellent job. And that's And what you said before is exactly why I said, yes and no on him being a number one because he doesn't always need to be the number one. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. He doesn't need to be, but but I think the, the sort of understanding of when he does, particularly in the big moments makes him that. But I think what he's also set himself up for Alex is I think he has set himself up to slide over to a number two or three position permanently. If that's necessary, whether it's bam ascending or Tyler hero ascending, or whether it's getting a Giannis or maybe an Oladipo who's younger than him, or maybe, I don't know, a Bradley Beal down the road, that he's he's sort of positioning himself. There's no doubt in my mind if the one. Heat
1: were to get somebody of that caliber that he that Jimmy would be taking less shots. Yes. Just from what we've seen so far where almost every night there's guys on the team getting more shots than that you wouldn't expect. That, that other night, like we said, uh, seven people in double digits and he wasn't one of them. There's just been so many instances like that that, I completely agree with you. I think he would, you know, he would do what's right for the team because I still think that he, he knows he's good. The team believes he's good. They treat him like he's really good, mm. and he's going to be their closer. So, I, I, you know, I think it's just a perfect two-way relationship at this point.
0: Well, when you take three shots and you uh, when a guy your star takes three shots and the team scores one twenty nine, something's going right with that team. I don't care who you play. It's just that's I mean it's just facts. And and I I think he's been terrific. He's been better than I anticipated. He's better as a teammate than I anticipated. He's better than was advertised. I think what's been proven, and I'm thinking of writing a call about this for Monday. But I think what's been proven is the problem was the organizations and the players he was with, not him, because if you look at what's happened, look at the three organizations he's not with anymore. Okay. Philadelphia is having chemistry issues, right? And MB doesn't appear happy, and Simmons is playing Call of Duty or something. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, right? And, and they already want to get rid of Horford, and, and nothing's working out. And I know the record's good, but it's not working that well. And clearly, whatever issues they had were not Jimmy's fault. Minnesota, after the hot start this year, has gone in the tank again. Uh, and you know you already have questions there about sort of the long-term viability of Wiggins. You mean to
1: tell me now. point guard Wiggins wasn't going to work,
0: Ethan? Right. Exactly. Not not for longer than a week. Right. He had the one fourth quarter against the Heat, and then look at Chicago. He had five
1: assists one game,
0: and they went crazy. Right. Well, right, look. Right. And Jimmy's been getting seven or to ten consistently, and then look at Chicago. Right. Zach Levine wants to, you know, get out of there because the coach, or as least indicated that, the players Jimmy was acquired for have not developed. It's marking and It doesn't Levine. seem
1: like any of those Bulls players really like the coach. I mean, obviously, we don't know what's going on. We're looking from outside. But there's been so many tweets where people are, are tweeting out videos from games where players are just looking lethargic. They're not even mm-hmm. – it looks like they're not even paying attention to what the coach – like they're not looking at him when he's talking to them sometimes. And it's just –
0: oof. So isn't so. Is, it's obvious. So is it possible then that the problem was in Chicago? You haven't had any stability there. Have you had stability in the front office with with Gar Foreman and and, uh, and Paxson? But they the timelines didn't success. match up
1: with the stability right. because they had that roster there. Like if you right. would have had Jimmy somewhat closer to his prime, along with you know Derrick Rose still in his prime, Joakim Noah still in his prime, Luol Deng in the back end of his Boozer, like yeah, it probably would have worked out a little bit better for them. It was a mixed timeline. Uh, not, you know, not great circumstances. The Bulls front office sucks, and once that team disintegrated, everything else did. And then you go to Minnesota, and he didn't like what he saw from the rest of the guys. I think he, he didn't want to be part of somebody who he thought was a clown show. He probably got discouraged by how much they dropped in the standings after he got injured, especially if they you know, they're they're paying and playing Wiggins and Cat like they're more important than Jimmy. And then the same thing happened again in Philly. Yep. Except in Philly, I think he appreciated the hard work that they put in. The, the fact that they were a defense-first team. But at the end of the day, that had more to do with the basketball fit than anything, which is obviously still a problem for them.
0: look We don't know if it's had, ever going to work. But look at the guys that Jimmy's had issues with. They've been, I think, what he views to be entitled number one overall picks, right? Simmons, Wiggins, Towns. Okay. Yep. And, and so you know Embiid, who I was not drafted first, but could have been if he was healthy uh, at the time, you know he doesn't seem to have an issue with Embiid, but the others he seems to have an issue with. Okay, in Chicago. He developed a relationship with Derrick Rose, but it was very choppy. I mean, if you talk to people there at the beginning.
1: I mean, here is truly light years ahead. They didn't tank this entire time, and now they don't have to have that problem. <laughs>
0: right, because they can never get a number one overall pick, right? It's so it's A bunch so
1: of 13s, 14s, and undrafted guys playing with Jimmy.
0: Right. I mean, there's guys who he feels made it up the same way. And so I, I think that a lot of this we're recognizing is circumstance. It was not really him. I mean, he, he didn't react well maybe to the circumstances but I don't blame him for the initial circumstances. All right, anyway, uh, let's get to number two here. This is an interesting one because I think Jimmy has kind of solved this problem for them a little bit, a little bit. But this problem has persisted. This is the one of the five we talked about in preseason that they still had, which was who was the point guard. And the debate at the time that we had, Alex, was Dragic or Winslow. And I think we all said, all three of us said, they'd be best off with Dragic off the bench and Winslow starting. So the plan that the heat had was similar to the plan that we prescribed. The problem is that the player we prescribed to be the starting point guard doesn't play and hasn't played in a while. And I just want to address this a little bit because I said this on a previous podcast. Okay. Um, it is unusual. It is unusual for the heat to disclose this little information about a player's injury after this much time. And there are only two reasons that that has typically happened. One The injury is worse than they let on initially, which has happened many times, okay? That's possible. The second is that the player and the team are not on the same page necessarily with every part of the treatment of the injury. Um, If you recall, that happened with waiters. It's happened, and I can count a number of examples of this over the years, okay? Bosch example was extreme because that was illness, but there have been other situations. I've been led to believe it's more the second than the first, and I've said that on a previous podcast when when I was doing one with Alf that there there seems to be some inconsistency here in terms of how bad this particular back injury is i have totally exonerated not exonerated but excused winslow for the head injury because head injuries to me are a whole separate category i don't know how serious this is uh but all i know is that he has not been available enough i mean how is it how crazy have to they ha- that
1: back injuries should be maybe not at the same level as head
0: injuries but well, but it's not it's back not it's not, poten- it's not it's not potentially like threatening to your long term well, I guess it could be, right? It could be threatening to your long term sort of comfort, but it's not it's not threatening in the way that, that
1: And career, is. because if this is something that would continue to persist, and I'm not saying it will, right. That would definitely affect his career, no doubt no, about no, it. no,
0: that no that that's true, that's true. But I, I again I, I don't I, I don't I can't diagnose it. But it's it's not yeah. the kind of back injury that was suffered in a collision on the court that we know of. Um, you know, that you know, or a stretcher is required or anything seems to be seems to be i don't know this but it seems to be a pain main maintenance issue but perhaps winslow thinks it's not and and so that's kind of where we are at this stage but l- let's get away from that a little bit i just wanted to address it somewhat even more than that i think if winslow was healthy he still would have be starting and that's
1: that's the actual like plot development here right because it's like Kendrick
0: Nunn is the point guard now. That's the answer to the question. But, but, but is he? Okay, so how have they handled the point guard issue? Because I don't think Kendrick Nunn is the point guard. I think Jimmy Butler is the point guard.
1: Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I just mean uh, from a starting lineup standpoint, Kendrick Nunn is the point guard. I think it's going to stick. I think Spole's going to stick with what he's done, which is what has worked so well. And I think maybe the way to go about it when Justice does eventually return is, uh, you know, whenever he brings him in the game, try out some of those lineups that you want to see with Justice, Jimmy, and Bam. Like, I mean, you don't have to start it, right? You don't have to change everything up that's been working so well for you. They're twenty-two and eight. It would I, at this point, like even I would be like, "Wow, they're starting Justice. They're just they're, that's it. They're just good with, uh, with giving up what they had."
0: Right? No, it would
1: <laughs> be strange. crazy to me because I it, was a hundred percent on board starting Justice at point guard, and this no, has nothing I, to do with Justice play because I don't think we've got nearly enough of a sample. Where every, everything's just been so shaky with him with the sample size that it's not even about him. It's just the we we've seen what works and what doesn't and Jimmy needs, needs shooting around him.
0: Yeah, he does. And justice is not a knockdown shooter at this point. I mean, uh, you know, he, he talked about being a sniper in the preseason and everything else and then struggled in the preseason. And then, and then obviously got off to the slow start to this season, but, but I, think, I, 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 sorry, I, I think, don't mean to keep interrupting, but
1: I think Spo's done just an incredible job of actually doing what is necessary with this team. Whenever the time has come. like right now, Whenever Justice does come back, all three of those guys are going to get a lot of playing time, right? Justice, Nunn, and Goron. But I think Spo's going to manage that. Spoh, the way he manages, like we talked about the other day with the units, I think that's the perfect way to go about it. I think he's doing exactly the right thing. He's not, putting, he's not just putting one guy in a box as their point guard, right? I think he, he's laid it out in this team-friendly system that just goes so perfectly with the roster that they have. And so I think the point guard thing has more developed and evolved into this thing where the whole team is filled with ball handlers and point guards. Jimmy is the main one because of his penetration.
0: But Foe is getting the most out of his guys. That's- but don't you eventually uh, – this is my question. Okay, so I agree. It's worked in the regular season. They're 22-8. and eight. When you get into the postseason, Toronto is going to know that the ball is going to be in Kyle Lowry's hands, right? Milwaukee, I guess, is going to put the ball in Bledsoe's hands when it's not in Giannis's hands. Uh, you've got Philadelphia, I guess, is going to put it in Simmons' hands unless till he's asked to shoot, and then we'll see what happens. He'll uh, definitely you know, put it in somebody else's hands after that. After that, Boston will put it in Kemba's hands, okay? Indiana, uh, you know, again, I guess it's going to be Brogdon, right, until Oladipo is right. I, I guess if we're comfortable that it's going to be in Jimmy's hands when it matters, then it's fine. It was in Dwayne's hands when it mattered even when the Heat had Mario Chalmers, it was the bronze hands, even when the Heat had Mario Chalmers or Norris Cole or somebody like that. So, I like, I don't think it's that big a deal, and I think, you know, it's supposed to try to get everybody out of these categories, and, and so I understand that. But I, I do think that looking over the course of the season, Goran's probably going to get hurt again. It's just this he's had an injury history here for the past three years, right? So, there, you know, with the justice thing matters, Because Jimmy is – Kendrick's not playing point guard. Jimmy's primarily handling the ball, particularly in the big moments. And you mentioned the shooting, and I think it's worn on his shooting because the combination of him having to defend the best player on the other team most of the time and handle the ball all the time. His legs look shot to me the other night. Now, they looked better last night against Utah, I thought. But, like, he needs a little bit more of a break, and it's difficult to get him that break when he has to be the point guard. So I do think it matters. Like, I don't think they have to go out and get a Chris Paul – uh, but I think they need both. Justice. I think what the season has shown, they can get by and be really good offensively. But they can't maximize all their players if they don't have somebody besides Jimmy Butler who you can trust to handle the ball. Tyler yeah, Hero might get maximizing there. Maximizing Jimmy, right? Because it, it, it's not Jimmy's best skill. He can do it, but it's not his best skill. I want to see Jimmy play off the ball a little bit. I want to see Jimmy in the post a little bit. I think he's really good in the post creating this message. You can't do that when you're dribbling the ball up the court all the time. So I, I don't, we don't have to dwell too much on this one, but I, this is the one of the five that has been an issue, but I agree with you that Spo has coached around it and he's coached around it so well, which is one of the reasons why I think he's a coach of the year right now. He's coached around it so well that it's like, now we're like, well, they don't even really need what we thought they needed at the end of the year. But I think my opinion is, I think ultimately they do. I think they need at least... One other guy, I think it's got to be Justice probably, uh, that that is going to take that step. Maybe Tyler Hero takes that step by the end of the season. He's improved so much, but I don't know that he's there yet. He does
1: too. I mean, we
2: got to give him that credit. Maybe maybe he does. I don't think it's his instinct. I think Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too?
0: Tyler is more of a playmaker by nature, but you're right. I think it's. Positive. Oh, no, no. But I just
1: mean, as far as uh, none figuring out the stuff, like, you know, a lot of the times the games where he looks better and the other games where you know, were, we're not as impressed is because of the way that he's making reads, right? Like uh, sometimes he just has it going for him. And that, in that sense, like he knows exactly when to attack. He's got it. By the way, he's gotten really good at uh, attacking left. Like, did you see what he was doing to go bare? <laughs> He he drove in on him and scored uh, lefty twice, and I thought that was ridiculous. But no, uh, him figuring out when to shoot, when to pass is is going to be huge because I think that's like the main thing next for him, right? That'll that'll maximize him. I don't think it's one skill specifically, just getting more time and making reads. So I think none pr- has just as much of a chance to be that guy. In a sense, it's just somebody who could take the ball handling and scoring load off of Jimmy. But to address what you're saying. I think they need minutes from all three of those guys to get that off of Jimmy. I don't think it needs to be one. Uh, I do think the question though, is, do you still believe that the ceiling of this team is with justice Winslow on the floor? Yeah. Because that's going to be important. Like that's what we thought. And now like Derek Jones jr. Has kind of, uh, is it just, it's just because he's playing or has Derek Jones jr. Kind of taken another step in the ladder that is this team and this roster. He's taking a step on that ladder.
0: He has, but save it because we want to get to that on defense. All right, let's get to number three. And this was another big question that we had before the season. Who is going to be the number two on this team? And I think I actually had Giancarlo Navis on with me for this one. And I think we both identified Bam, I believe, or maybe he identified Justice. Um, I definitely identified Bam, if I recall correctly. Uh, Now there's the question if he's the number one or the number two. We've obviously gushed all over Bam Adebayo. Um, The numbers are outrageous. Some of the numbers, when you look at, you know, what he's done throughout the season, it's like him and Giannis. I mean, some some of the numbers that have been spit out. I mean, he's become an elite player in a very short period of time. So let's not dwell on what he's become. We've touched on that in enough podcasts. Give me two things that you want to see him improve on over the second half of the season. What will make you think, Entering the playoffs, the Heat have two stars.
1: Well, first of all, I already feel that way. Uh, I think you can safely say Bam is a star. But I think when we talk about this thing of two stars, the conventional wisdom is that you're talking about two guys who can go out there and get their own shot and do things for you by themselves, which is fine. Like, yes, you would like to have two of those guys, and that's probably what's going to keep the Heat from getting into the later rounds of the playoffs. And, yes, there's there's me being, that's me being negative, I guess, if if I still don't believe that they're a finals team, per se. But, um, yeah, I do think that, like, Bam is a star already. I think he provides so much value all over the floor on both ends. He's not just a defensive guy, uh, pretty much like what Justice has been. I think Bam has turned into this two-way dynamic player who's only getting better, and he's already a star. And I don't think it should fall on him to be the number two scoring guy. And not and that, that Spo has put it on him because he definitely hasn't. I think it's obvious that Spo loves using Bam on offense more as a rim roller and as a secondary facilitator slash screener, right? More, more so than a score. Because you go look at, you know, the scoring from the rest of the guys on this team. Like, for example, you go to the per 100 possessions and you've got like five or six guys over 22 points a game, including Goron. You've got Duncan at 20 points. Uh, None is there at 25, Jimmy at 27. Again, this is per 100 possessions. But what that tells you is that this has been 100% a team effort. Again, Spo, his implementation of his system and getting, you know, running a style of offense that absolutely maximizes everybody where most of the time people are not going, you know, outside of their comfort zone. It's just been, it, it's been, it's been almost flawless. Like, their offense has been so much better than we thought it was going to be. Their defense has been great, despite missing time from Dion and JJ, who were plus defenders, despite Justice missing time, despite uh, Derrick Jones Jr. missing time. Like, they've been so impressive on both ends. And as far as number two matters, I think this team has shown you there is no number two as far as a number two score, right? Bam is definitely the number two star. But they're depending on scoring from all across the board, and there's no doubt about it.
0: Well, I think there have been great teams where the best, the second best player has not been the second best scorer. I, I you can take a look at um, the Pistons. The, the Pistons is a really good example, actually. Uh, so you can make a case, you know, Ben Wallace is one of those. I was, yeah, I, I was, I, I was going to say Ben Wallace. I, I think that there were time, well, it's hard with the Bulls because Pippen was great too in his own way and did so many different things, but there were times Rodman. Was as important as Pippen in terms of what they did, and and basically he was a lot of times their only only you know front court rebounder, uh, you know. So there have been great time great teams where the second best player is not the the second best scorer. I I even uh, you know look at, uh, God teams that have won titles recently. I mean,
1: I mean you can say the same thing for the the Warriors pre KD. Yeah. Draymond was considered to be their second best player.
0: Yeah, he might have been better than Clay. I, I think it was a push depending on the night. I, so, I mean, you can definitely make that case. I mean, I think at this point, you know, the the, the, the Draymond-Bam comparison is interesting. Bam's upside is much higher than Draymond's. Like, I, I mean, there, there were comparisons yep. made before the season. There are things that we know at this stage Draymond can't do. Now, now he can shoot a three on occasion, and Bam's got to get to that. But he's not. Bam's gonna do it eventually.
1: Shooter. By the way, we yeah. saw those videos pre-draft, but him just nailing threes. And obviously, that's not something that just 100% translates right away. But it's so obvious that Bam, like, if he would have put in that that time to actually try to do it on the court, that he could get to a decent catch and shoot percentage from you know a couple attempts a game. Which well, is basically Chris Bosch, Cameron Chris does. Bosch
0: didn't get to it until his third season in Miami, right? I mean, he'd already spent how many seasons in Toronto? So, I mean, you're, you're talking about and you hated it, and I hate yes. Don't <laughs> mind me. Okay, I did hate it. You're right. I hated it. I hated it. I wanted Chris to get down on uh, the post. I know that was it remind me of one of the few things I was wrong about during the Big Three era. Okay, I was definitely wrong about that one. That's yeah, it. We're ending I, this that's topic. Full-
1: has Paul, uh, told you that? <laughs> uh, whole-
0: no, I've heard about other things. I was
1: like You about. wanted Bosch in the post instead of LeBron and Wade. I,
0: I, I didn't <laughs> want it as inverted. I, I wasn't positionless. That was that was the problem. <laughs> All right, we're going to tell you about another great spot to so the Five Reasons Sports Network. We'll get to our last two topics here. Just had a watch party. We're going to have a couple more. That's the Gold Club in Pompano. It's not far from Powerline and Copins in Pompano Beach, totally renovated inside. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And we're not just talking, obviously, about the scenery, but it's not just the Gentleman's Club. So we don't want to stereotype it. Ladies get in free there all the time. That's right, seven days a week, 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. They've got a full kitchen there so you can eat. They've got a full bar. And if you come in on Mondays, they've got you call in a Monday where basically you pay $5 and they will fill up your glass with just about anything that you want for the entire night. That was not great for our friend Alphonse Sidney on the night of our watch party. So check out the gold club in Papano next watch party. I don't know if we're going to do one in January. We're definitely going to do the Sacramento game in February. So they should win that one. So you guys can't complain. We're two in one this year, by the way, in watch parties. And we're looking at one other in February. That may be kind of an easy one for the I mean, biggest win. upset of the year. That the were two one and, one, and one, one in watch one parties. parties and wins against Philadelphia and Milwaukee, Alex wins against on the road, on the road. Well, yeah, all the watch parties on the road, but yeah, two big wins true. on the road. We're not going to talk about I the guess the best teams,
1: teams in the conference. I mean, you should, you should be bragging about it more to be honest for all the shit that you caught for so long.
0: That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You're bringing up all the shit that I catch all the time. Yeah. Broward <laughs> County. We did two in Broward County and they won. they've won uh, both of those. Cause the other one was at GQ's craft house. The one we lost was in date at Duffy's, but anyway, we're going to do another one at gold club. For the Sacramento game but go check it out before we get there that way you'll know how the place works all right I'm gonna get to the last two parts of the so we'll do these two quicker uh, but the two other things that we touched on before the season were shooting and then rebounding slash defense I don't think anybody anticipated they would shoot the ball this well Alex uh, <laughs> I don't know that we thought Duncan Robinson was gonna be this part big part of the plan I, I believed in Tyler Harrow but I didn't know if it would happen quite this soon I thought the Kendrick Nunn was a rotation player, but didn't know that he would be making 35% from three as a starter. They have shot the ball extremely well. They've gotten each other open looks, which is to me the most important part of shooting is the pass that comes before it. They move off the ball. Myers Leonard has been terrific in his limited minutes from a shooting perspective. He probably should shoot more other than Jimmy. I think everybody on the team is shooting and justice, right? Everybody on the team is shooting better than projected. Goran Dragic is suddenly a knockdown three point shooter. Do you believe in their shooting now going forward?
1: Yes, I think so. I think in the beginning, it was a little bit, uh, you know, we had to see a little bit more of it. But now, like you said earlier, we're more than a third of the way through, which is not nothing, right? Like, obviously, you can't extrapolate that over a whole season and expect it to translate. Like, I don't think the Heat are going to win 61 games, right? But we've already seen some of the regression, and yet they're still really good. They still have one, two, three, four, four guys shooting 40% or higher from three, including, you know, a 45 in there, a 48 in there. you got got uh, Hero at just under 39. You've got none at 35% from three. They've got a lot of shooting. And I think nuns, by the way, percentage being that, uh, low, that much lower than everybody else's is only because of the types of shots that he takes, where he takes a lot of those, you know, the, the, the defender drops back off the screen and he pulls up after a dribble. I think a lot of those guys aren't doing that. But they've got shooting all across the board, and it's exactly why their offense has been as good as it is. And, again, credit to Spolstra for recognizing the shooting talent that they have on the team. right? Like, it's, it's there, and he's maximizing. He's getting Duncan Robinson to be Wayne Ellington 2.0 except taller and, you know, getting blocks for you and extremely cheap, undrafted, Like it's just a ridiculous story between him and Kendrick Nunn. The type of shooting and production that they've been able to get in the starting lineup every single night. Like those guys have been so good for them as release valves. Like without the shooting that they've gotten from Nunn, Hero, Robinson, and then Myers, who knows? Like what? Like the offense is probably a lot clunkier if you have like just a more similar roster to what you had the past few years.
0: You mentioned it's been every night, and it's been the point that when they don't get it, we're surprised. So when they didn't get it the the first game up in Philadelphia, we were surprised, right? Like when they shoot when they have one of those games, like we got accustomed over the past couple of years to them having some games where they'd shoot under twenty seven percent from three and and take a lot of them and miss a lot of them. It hasn't really happened that often this year. And and so now in the playoffs, some of those some of those lanes will shut down, some of the movement will stop. They will the shots will become harder. Um, You'll also won't have as many of these guys on the floor in some of those situations. But I think what's been encouraging is, for example, Spolster's willingness to play Duncan Robinson as a small ball four uh, in some of these situations where you get the extra shooter there next to Bam. So can he play on in that situation now? And then it's not just. It's not just the guys we thought would shoot, but like Dirk Jones Jr. is making threes now. So like if that happens, that raises his, you can, he's playable in some of those situations. Now, again, I don't know until we see it in the playoffs, particularly until you see it on the playoffs on the road, because we know role players play better, but particularly shoot better at home. And it's not just
1: that, right? It's like their offense is so built on guaranteed production. Mm-hmm. from these shooters who you basically had no idea what you were getting coming into the season. Like, you didn't know that none and Robinson were going to be this good. You didn't, you weren't 100% sure that hero was going to be this good right away. Like, depending on those three guys, like, they're a pretty big piece of the pie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Jimmy is a number one, yes. But again, they're playing a team-oriented offense. And I think, like you said, those passing lanes are going to shut down. I didn't have ball movement is going to come to a grinding hole. And I think that's why, like, I've had so much – trouble going back and forth on on how good this team truly is because I I, projecting in a playoff environment what is that offense going to look like are you going to get those same cuts and passes off of those actions that you've been doing right I think you're going to be heavily scouted I think teams are going to know exactly what actions you like to do a lot and yes Bo is uh, great at kind of throwing teams off at uh, doing different things when he feels that the team is sussing out what he's doing you know in a playoff environment but, yeah, that's definitely going to be, you know, what what you got to monitor going forward, especially if you're trying to see how good this team really is.
0: And we're not going to know. I mean, we're not going to know until they get there. Like, you can see yep. a little bit more of it in a clutch situation against Utah. You can see a little bit more of it on the road in Philadelphia. During, By the way,
1: great win Iowa. because the Jazz are a great defense. So, mm-hmm. always getting, like, Getting a win against an elite defense like that where you, they've got great defenders all across the board. They've got Gobert there in the paint. Just a great win for them. Uh, they keep ragging up wins versus good teams, even though Utah has been terrific. The fact that they've been able to score against very good defensive teams, it's a great sign.
0: Yeah, so let's get to the next one here, the final one. Rebounding and defense. We worried about the loss of Hassan in these two areas. And we thought this is the one place it could hurt them. It hasn't hurt them in any meaningful way, except that they're not particularly good at the rim. But what all the numbers show is they're not letting people get to the rim as much. Part of that, I think, is because Bam jumps out on everybody, (laughs) so nobody gets past him. But the other thing is that they're not getting to the rim even though they haven't had justice for the majority of the season at this point. Um, Rebounding and defense, sustainable from where it has been so far this season.
1: Defense, uh, absolutely. I think whenever you get Justice back, it's only gonna improve the defense. I think uh, the more time that they get with each other, the, the more familiar that they're gonna get, you know with that system that they run is just very much based on communication and discipline. and that's something that's only gonna get better, especially when you're talking about two rookies on this team, right? and And basically three, because Duncan Robinson didn't get significant playing time last season. And you're getting you're relying on them for so many minutes. Like it's only gonna get better with time, and especially since like all those guys have been, you know, pretty decent at it uh, on the defensive end. Um, yeah, it's only gonna get better. As far as rebounding goes, um, they're a good rebounding team. They've been in the top three, top five in rebounding percentage all season. But I do still think it's gonna be a little bit of an issue versus bigger teams. I I, I don't believe that this team is some is a team that's going to out-rebound everybody on a given night. I think like in a matchup versus obviously Philly or Milwaukee or even like Toronto, they 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 might get out-rebounders just because they don't have that size. And I don't think Myers or Kelly are very good rebounders. But you get it from other places, right? Like Justice is good for the position he plays. Hero is good for the position he plays. Derrick Jones Jr. is a great rebounder. You know, Jimmy's a good one. Bam is good. So they get it from other places. They get enough where it isn't a problem for them. And they, like I said, they've been top three in rebounding percentage all season, which again, credits this bolster. Like they, the system is perfect for the roster that all the deficiencies that we thought would be there have not been there.
0: And even that's a credit. Them to coach. Not, Even with them not having all of them healthy. Now I, I think a couple of guys we want to take into account here as we talk about these two things. Uh, the first one is, is Derek Jones jr. Because I, I think his development defensively in the games he's played has made a big, 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 big impact, um, and it also makes an impact for them. I think rebounding, particularly as an offensive rebounder, that's a positive. I think the only negative I would really say on this team right now is I, I really, at this point, Alex, and I don't want to pick on him, but I want to see more consistently from Kelly Olynyk. Uh, there were there were some situations last night against Utah that he just got outworked for defensive rebounds. Like it's I, weird, you know,
1: right? He's in he's in a weird position right now. Like he's still shooting forty one percent from three on the season which is terrific because, you know, it wasn't always that way. His percentage wasn't always that lethal. But that's basically what they've been using him as, is a stretch stretch for. Whereas the past few seasons, they've used him as somebody who helps facilitate their offense. So I would expect that when Justice comes back and they have that full bench lineup back together, uh, I think it would get a little better for him. But honestly, I don't think he's that much of a problem because he's still getting... I mean, he's averaging more rebounds a game than Myers, but that's only because he gets, like, three more minutes a game than Myers. Right. But, again, like, those two guys, it, it's it's weird because you can't – they're not fours because you can't – they can't guard fours for the most part. Maybe Kelly can sometimes against lower guys, but they're not – they can't guard fours. And at the same time, it's tough to put them at five because they're not great rebounders.
0: And I – Yeah, and I think looking at it, um, you know, could you see more of Silva going forward if they're having rebounding difficulty? I I just, maybe it's aesthetic with him. I'm not sure. I've always liked his game. I I just haven't seen him. There's too many nights that I'm coming out of this saying he's not making an impact that the other guys are. You may be right that it may be positional. Uh, The ball's not in his hands quite as much as it was before. But rebounding-wise, like, I I feel like with Leonard, and, and look, Leonard's had some games where he hasn't given you a lot of productivity, but I feel like with Leonard, He's making more of an impact on the other things than Kelly is. In terms of the screen setting, uh, in terms of the communication defensively. Like I, I just feel like uh, he has limitations. There's no question about it. But I just I feel like he's making more of a consistent impact when Kelly that when I feel like Kelly has a bigger skill set than Myers does. So I, that's I don't the thing. Know, I'm not I don't sure know why that that's happening.
1: I'm not sure that they're using it to the full extent right full extent right now. I think He's doing a very much similar thing that, I'm sorry, when I say he, I mean Spo, he's doing a, a similar thing that he does with Bam, where they're using them more as ancillary players on the offensive end and, and not really, you know, I don't think Kelly's been uh, encouraged to weaponize his ball skills like he has over the past few years. We, we don't see the keeper anymore. We don't see him holding the ball and, and kind of probing cutters and defense as much as he did before, which is weird because, like, they have, they have shooters and they have cutters now. They have an actual number one. So, like, again, you can get to that Jimmy post-action if you play them together because you could have uh, Kelly out uh, at the top of the key holding the ball up, just waiting for Jimmy to get that matchup. But, yeah, I, I, I it is weird because it's like he always – the team always feels a lot worse defensively when he's playing at the five and, you know, DJ J is your four or something like that. Like, it's not exactly ideal. It's fine for the regular season because, it, you, you know, you're not depending on it and you're not playing big teams every night. But again, you know, I think you're right about the Silva thing. Like, you're, I think we're going to keep seeing lineups every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, we, like what we've seen with DJJ at the three, Kelly at the four, Silva at the five, which gives you a lot more size. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly doesn't have the, the responsibility to be a re- protector or a rebounder. But yeah, I, th- I think just for me, I just want to see what the team looks like when they're fully healthy.
0: Well, I don't think that'll ever happen, Alex. I think that's the one thing in this season <laughs> we're I mean, gonna see season. it all year, and, and, right? And they're 22 and eight in spite of it. But I, I, just, I don't think that's gonna ever happen. I think that's just the reality of it. I think the overall report card at this stage is an A. I don't think I don't know how you could grade it any other way. Uh, to me, I want to see Winslow back, and I want to see how they incorporate him. I want to. It's still the biggest question mark, better. right? Is it, like, is the is the biggest question on the team is where Winslow. Is and where he fits, and how long this goes on for. And then there's going to be the question when he comes back about why he was out so long and is he going to get hurt again? And I, I thought we were kind of over this. I only mean, had the opening night 27, 7, and 7, like a corner had been turned. That was like three years yeah. ago, right? Seems like it. Seems like it. As was the <laughs> beginning of this pod. So we're going to end it right here. Thanks to another one of our sponsors, Seltzer Mayburg Law Firm. You can check him out at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com. Service all of your needs. Immigration, traffic tickets, personal injury, all that stuff. They're based right here in North Miami, but they handle cases from all over the state. So that's onecalllegal.com. They handle your traffic ticket for $49 and up. They took care of a couple of mine. So you should definitely reach out to them. It's a Seltzer Mayberg law firm. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.